What's going on, guys? Welcome to Low Kick MMA UFC Fight Night Overeem vs. Kai Recap Show. I'm your host, Ryan Galloway. Joining me, as always, is Jordan Ellis. Uh, this event we just had, Jordan, on the day of the fights, three, two fights get scrapped, and one fighter outside of them falls out and has to have a replacement coming short, ending up with a total of seven fights on the whole card. You know, I think it ended up being just a main card. They didn't do a preliminary card. Uh, what were your thoughts on that whole experience of the the night going to sleep thinking we're going to have nine fights and waking up to have seven yeah it just must it must be an actual nightmare for the for the fighters just because in in covid world you know you never know if a fight's going to drop out you know it could be hours from the fight it could be the night before everyone's weighed in usually that's final hurdle and then we're off to fight night and, and now there's just so much more going on so um the ufc you know they, they always press on they, they continue to put the fights on no matter what and and um, it was still a fun card and, and things like that, but it's you know it is disappointing. And you know they're going every week till Christmas now to try and hit quotas or, or whatever they're trying to do. But sometimes it it is better just to say you know maybe wait till next week and we'll do it. We'll put two cards together and make a big card, and then if some fights drop out, we, we're not we're not losing out. But um, nonetheless, it was a good card, and I think these things are going to happen. But this is the worst one yet in terms of you know a fight. For like a card falling apart because not only did we lose them too, we lost a few more. John Reed, Gianni Eubanks was meant to fight, he fell out. Um, Ricky Samoan was meant to originally be on the card, he fell out. So a lot went on with this card. You know, this is the, definitely the worst one we've had so far. Yeah, and I think this will probably be the shortest card of the year, if not the shortest card I've ever seen. I don't know if any time has been seven fights in a card, but it was just interesting to me when I woke up and I saw and. I noticed that they completely scrapped the idea of a preliminary card. On the UFC site, it just said main card, and all seven fights were on there. And it was kind of good, because I, I think that they were just letting the two fights that were meant to be prelims run over the time into the main card slot, um, instead of like, you know how they usually do it. If the fights are going long, they'll... Uh, sorry, if the fights are quick, they'll put in all that filler stuff where they have like Adderall and Adderall. They didn't really do a lot of that. It was kind of like one fight, one fight, one fight. But it was, yeah, pretty good. A decent fights overall. We'll jump straight into the main event, which was between Alistair Overeem and Augusto Sakai. Previewing this card, I really didn't give Sakai enough credit. Uh, I didn't think he'd had, had it in him to go toe-to-toe with Overeem like he did. And I was actually really impressed with him because he was winning the fight for the most part. But Overeem, the veteran, he made the changes mid-fight. He adapted to what he had to do to win. Realized he could pretty much get a takedown whenever he wanted, which ultimately led to his success, where he took him down and beat him up with those vicious elbows on the ground. Uh, yeah, good fight. What do you think? Yeah, it was a good fight. I was happy with my call on this one because I thought, you know, um, Sakai, he's a good fighter. He just doesn't have the power. And, and when we spoke, I said, if, if you're a heavyweight, you can't point, point fight because it's just not it's not enough. You know, you, it's always dangerous. You're in there with a, a 250-pound man and, and he can... Do something like that where he can drag it to the floor whenever he wants. He just didn't have enough weapons in his arsenal. Whereas Overeem just was the more crafty guy. Um, when Sakai was steaming in with his, his flurries, Overeem was content just to cover up and just you know take them on the gloves and they weren't doing a lot of damage. So, um, and then once he realised that Sakai Bressy had no wrestling defence at that point, he just dragged him to the floor and it was it was game over. As soon as he fit, he got that first takedown. It was clear what his route to victory was and, and he, he did it excellently so that's just a, a veteran move it was a smart move um, it went going his way and he, and he turned it round and as he did in his last fight so um, Overeem he's still on that title charge and uh, good luck to him because he's, he's a veteran he deserves you know another run he's good enough to do it so I, I look forward to see who he fights next 
Yeah, I mean, he wants to make that final run of the title. This is the way to do it, taking out like prospect after prospect. Um, like, I mean, Walt Harris before this, another guy who's kind of the opposite to Sky. He's not that technical, but he's heavy hitter. And Overeem did the same kind of thing. Weathered the storm, took him to the ground and beat him up, you know? And one thing about this fight that, to me, was really, really interesting uh, was the stoppage at the end there. Because I, th I thought it was a good stoppage, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's any controversy behind it. But I think Sakai probably could have taken a bit more damage. And I think he was defending. Uh, but yeah, you know, he probably wasn't going to win. Because in my opinion, the round before it was a 10-8 for sure. Overeem won that 10-8. Didn't look like Sakai was getting up in that final round. So that would have been a 10-8 as well, which would have had him 47-46 on the scorecards anyway. Um, but yeah, the stoppage was a little bit interesting. Did you think there was any controversy behind that or were you happy with it? No, even as soon as he landed that um, that takedown in the fifth round, you probably could have waved it off because Sakai just turned the other way and just didn't look interested anymore. And it was clear that he weren't getting up and he was just... He was, the longer it went, he would have just got absolutely knocked out cold, 100%. There's no doubt. So he weren't getting up at all. There was... Um, that's definitely something for Sakai to go and work on because now people have seen that Overeem, he, his wrestling takedowns, they weren't that impressive. He just could Tripped get him. them. Like Daniel Cormier was on the on the commentary. He's laughing at the after takedowns he's actually landing. He's saying these aren't technical. He wouldn't score in, in actual wrestling. But he landed on Sakai, so he's got work to do there. You know, I think there'll be a few people who, who come up against him next will think, I'll take him down because Overeem is not that good a wrestler and was able to do that. So... Um, big hole for Sakai to fill, but besides that, he, he did look good um, in terms of the stoppage. You know, very, very happy with it because he he would have got hurt. It, it, it was just unnecessary damage at that point. The fight was done in my, in my eyes, so happy to see it stop. Yeah, I, like I said, it wasn't a terrible stoppage. I just thought he probably could have survived a little longer, but ultimately the result would have probably been the same. We'll jump on the co-main event, which was the light heavyweight division between Oban St. Pru and Alonso Menefeld. And this fight going into it, I, I didn't really have a pick in this one. I, I wasn't too sure how OSP would look coming back down to light heavyweight. And the answer is he looks fantastic. It's where he should have stayed. He should have never gone up to heavyweight. And I don't know what he did at heavyweight, but the the Open St. Pru that fought at heavyweight and the Open St. Pru that fought last night, completely different, right? But they the, the, like the style and the technique was the same, but just the result and the cardio was the biggest factor. It was different. In that heavyweight fight, he gassed out and he was he he took it took it slow like he does all the time, but he just didn't have the cardio to back him up. But in this one, he took his time, he stayed at range, he landed kicks, lots and lots of kicks. Uh he was landing heavy jabs and really putting hands on him. Alonso Manafield, though, he he's a heavy hitter, man, because he was rushing in there and landing bombs, and OSP was just eating him, and then eventually obviously snocked him out that stunning counter left hook, um, put him away. What do you think of that fight? Yeah, well, first thing's this. We didn't speak about that when we when we previewed this card. I don't know how we missed it, but mm. we seemed to miss that one, and I was just like kind of surprised on Friday. I was like, what the, what's this doing on here? Um, this is one of the fights where I kind of I understood why Menafield was the was was the favourite heading in, despite his like inexperience, because he's such a heavy hitter, and we've seen OSB get knocked out. But then once you see them standing across the cage from one another. It looked like a couple of weight classes separate them. OSP is a huge guy, and and Menafield, he, he's jacked, but he, he was kind of small in there, and he and it looked he looked small, and OSP was using that range to to keep him at bay. Um, his heavy shots didn't seem to really bother OSP even when he landed them, and then he just catches him that with that beautiful shot, and just um, I think he was going to win the fight anyway, but uh, Menafield just got he was at one point. I was thinking he's being too patient in it, and then he steamed in, and he just got caught, and it was perfect. And 
it's always nice when you don't even have to follow up. He's just done face planted, the next walk away. And yeah, OSB 100% state light heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, many field that's two in a row now, I think. So, and I don't know what you do with him because can he even lose weight because he's so jacked? Like, he's gonna have to strip some of that muscle off, but that's as, as fact that it does. Um, I think he's still young, so he'll figure it out. But OSB onto the big ones now. Yeah, OSB's got a lot in front of him, you know, because I don't think he's going to make a run at the title anytime soon. Um, but he can definitely beat a lot of those guys. If you're beating Menafield, you can definitely beat a lot of the guys that are up and coming. Uh, maybe I reckon they'll probably try and do him against Johnny Walker if he gets past Ryan Spann or someone like that or someone around that area. I don't think they're going to give him a big step up in competition or anything. No time soon anyway. Uh, style of performance, though, and for his return to light heavyweight, made an example of why he was once fighting for that interim title against John Jones. Um, because, yeah, he's not a heavyweight. He might be huge, but he doesn't have. He didn't have the cardio when he went to heavyweight, and that was his biggest downfall. And that fight was so bad. And let's be honest, that Ben Rothwell fight wasn't interesting at all. It was a boring fight to watch. Both guys just gassed out, and neither one of them really deserved to win it um, because they both just didn't do a lot. There wasn't a lot of action. Whereas you put him down live heavyweight, and he has the cardio, he comes alive. So I'm interested to see what he does next. Same with Menafield. I don't think I'm counting him out at this stage. He's a heavy hitter, so we can definitely beat a lot of the guys. Maybe you do him against Walker if Walker beats his teammate, right, man? You know, um, plenty of stuff for him. We'll jump onto the fight before that. That was Michelle Pereira against Zalim Imadeev. Uh, That's the one. Um... I'd honestly go into this card, would not have even believed someone if they told me that Michelle Pereira was going to get a bonus in this one and he was going to steamroll this dude for three rounds. But that's what happened. He looked so good. He looked phenomenal. I've never seen him look this good. I'll get, throw it to you to break down first. What did you think? Yeah, it, it was great because, you know, obviously it's one thing picking up a high real knockout, but he sustained it for three rounds. You know, there was questions about this gas tank. No worries about that gas tank. It looked great. He kind of stopped. He stopped the majority of his flashy stuff where, you know, with the forward rolls and the, and the Capoeira kicks, you know, the, the high risk and low reward mainly. So he's, he's kind of put a, put something on them. Um, and it was great to see, you know, he looked, he looked great. It was, you know, I don't want to get too carried away. I'm not necessarily on the hype train right now on Michelle Pereira because it was him and I have, you know, he was expected to beat him in my eyes. He was expecting to knock him out and it took a bit longer than, I expected it to, to take, but nonetheless, he looked great. And um, when the end came, it was a bit controversial, but, you know, it, there was no doubt about who was going to win that fight. There was no chance of Imidayev pulling something out the bag. So um, just really great uh, for Pereira. The, the, the hype train's back. I'm sure a few people are jumping on it. Not not mean, not quite yet anyway, um, but he's, he's always fun to watch and he's, he's earned his bonus. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't see him as a contender. You're right. I don't see him being a contender anytime soon. But God, he's one of the most entertaining guys watching the sport, especially in that division. You know, I, I can see so many fun matchups for him. You could even put him in there with like Mike Perry. Uh, I saw that one going around. You could even put him there with Robbie Lawler or something like that. Um, but yeah, he's just fun to watch, man. And he's showboating when he slapped him. He kissed his hand, then slapped him. And yeah, entertaining guy to watch. I don't know how that's going to pay out when he goes up in the rankings, but I suppose we'll see. There is some changes, though, like positive changes to his style where he is, he's calming it down. Like, obviously, it was all forward rolls and cartwheel kicks and things like Backwards. that. And he, he did a few of them, but he didn't do that many yet, Leslie, and he, he, he's learned his lesson. I think if someone can just get a hold of him and say, do not throw these kicks unless you think you're going to land. He threw a couple of quarter kick from, like, 
halfway across the octagon when it was never going to land and he put all his effort into it. And I'm just thinking, you know, conserve that energy. And he, he looked great when he was just using his hands and, and, his, and his feet and just, you know, traditional stuff. He looked great. So if, if, a, if a proper coach can get hold of him, he's got potential because there's been no issues with his wrestling. It doesn't seem like he's that easy to take down either. So um interested to see where he goes, but I'm not, yeah, I, I don't particularly think he's the guy to watch right now, but I'm still very interested to watch whatever happens next. Yeah, I mean, the stakes were high in this one. They were both on a two-fight losing streak. Uh, Imadeyev hadn't won in the UFC, so everything's telling me he's getting cut after that loss. Um, whereas Pereira's, his contract's over. So they'll probably re-sign him after that because it was super entertaining. People are going to want to see it again. Um, but if he lost this one, there was no way they were going to re-sign him. Not after his last two losses. I know he was smashing Sanchez, but threw an illegal knee and got, like, lost the fight. What can you do? Um, but yeah, he's definitely getting re-signed in my opinion. Not that I know anything, but we'll see. Um, and yeah, keen to watch him again in the cage. Before that, we had Andre Munez versus Bartos Fabinski in the middleweight division. And this was like part of a slew of bonuses that all came together from the co-main event to the um, Brian Callagher fight. And this one was by submission in the first round. And it was that beautiful armbar. He was, I don't know what Fabinski was thinking taking this dude down. He knew the dude's skill set, but he went straight for that takedown and just, just kept going until he got it. And once he got it, he was in his zone. And he was throwing up, trying to get a triangle, ended up transitioning to the armbar and finishing him. Beautiful jujitsu. Good finish, and yeah, warranted the bonus. Yeah, no, Fabinski was one of them. That he beat Dan Stewart to cage one is you know a few months ago, and it went. He won, but it went impressive because he's that's what he what his game seems to be. He's just relentless with the takedown, reckless abandon for you know I'm going after this takedown no matter what. This is is plan A and his only plan by the looks of it. And you know when you got someone who's who's got subs like that first round and and you do it not so great shot and you you it's just game over and you know it was a, a great win for Nunez and and on to the next one but Fabinski you know he's got to you've got to kind of add a bit more to your game you know it's got to be a bit more varied and if, if someone knows that's coming and he's a jiu-jitsu guy he can just lay and wait and just slap something on you as soon as you're in there and it was just over before it even begun and um excited to see Nunez go on now because I think that's um, a couple in a row in the UFC is it so um, yeah. you know, very exciting prospect there and, and Fabinski back to the drawing board. Yeah, I agree. So I'll jump on to another fight where someone shot a takedown, had something snapped on him, and that was Brian Gallagher taking on Ray Rodriguez on like hours notice. He got switched up for, he was meant to fight, um, what's that dude's name? Uh, Nat, Nat, Natfidad? Yeah, it was Natfidad. Kevin Nat, Natfidad, yeah. That was it. Um, and someone that replied to our Twitter uh, was big on the Kevin Natnivad train, and he uh, wasn't happy with our pick in that one, but that's all good. Uh, we didn't get to see what happened there, but Ray Rodriguez took the fight and got submitted real quick. Perfect guillotine from Callagher, snatched straight onto the neck, and it was pretty much over. Sucks for Rodriguez. Hopefully he gets another shot and we see what he's capable of. But yeah, just beautiful textbook jujitsu from Callagher there. Yeah, it seems like they always had Rodriguez in the background. It seems like he's been on standby for a while like it's not like he's just got off the couch i think for like the last week he's been on standby and then yesterday he got the call um so obviously it's still not ideal preparation but it's just well i don't really want to focus on ray rodriguez i hope he gets another shot and, and he I, he probably will because he deserves it you know he deserves a proper camp and a, and a proper a go at the ufc 
But Kelleher, I just I love everything he's doing right now. That's four fights in 2020. He's really just taking this opportunity, fighting as much as possible, putting some money in the bank, earning 50,000 bonuses. It's it's great to see. And, you know, maybe he's not the best of the best, but he's in there and he's beating people and he's, he's putting on shows and, you know, he, he'll keep stepping up and having a go. You know, we've seen Hunter Zazor and he, he's, he's a good fighter and Kelleher knocked him out. So he's clearly fringe top 15. I want to see him, you know, push there. I want to see him in with, you know, maybe Sean O'Malley. You know, Sean O'Malley needs a fight. Brian Kelleher is always game. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing that fight now. And I think he deserves it because he's been probably the company man. He's been the one who's down to fight no matter what during COVID. So uh, just hats off to him. I hope he gets that O'Malley fight because I think it's a really good fight on paper. But besides that, I think he deserves, you know, a bit of shine. Yeah, when I spoke to him before this fight, he was I asked him about that, about the O'Malley fight, and he said he was definitely interested in it. It was a fight he would want if he gets the win in this one. Um, and he also said that if he... Because he's fighting... What is his fourth fight this year? Something like that, right? Third or... It's got to be his fourth. fourth. It's his fourth, yeah, it's fourth, yeah. So if he keeps up at this rate, I asked him, I was like, are you fighting all the time? When do you expect to be fighting for a title? And he said, end of next year. So, I mean, if he keeps fighting like five times a year, that's possible if he wins them all. And he's really good. He's not a bad fighter. Like, he lost to Stamen. Like, that's no blemish on your record, right? He's a very talented guy as well. Um... So yeah, hopefully he gets that O'Malley fight and we can see him put up there against the top 15 again. And I definitely think if the way he's been performing, he could be a, like a future contender in the near future, you know. Um, but yeah, like you said about Rodriguez, want to see what he's about. Didn't get to see it now, but I suppose we'll get it in hopefully his next fight. In terms of Keller, he, that, that O'Malley fight's perfect because, you know, O'Malley shouldn't be ranked now. I don't know if he's still ranked, but he, he shouldn't be ranked. So, okay. So that's perfect because Kelleher is there and he's also a dangerous guy. Like he's not... He's not gonna come and just walk like get walked over. It besides Cheeto, that would be O'Malley's toughest fight to date. So, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I just feel like it would be perfect matchmaking, and I feel like it'd be just re- reward for Keller for everything he's done. And yeah. O'Malley, he needs a win, and, and I think he'd be confident, you know, with the size advantage and things like that. He 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 wouldn't mind taking that fight. So, I do think that's the fight to make, and I, I hope they do. And the seeds have been laid for that for months now, because after he beat uh, Hunter Zua, he said, "I want to fight O'Malley." Um, obviously, O'Malley was going to fight uh, Eddie Wine at that point, and he did that, and then he fought Cheeto and hurt his ankle. Um, but he seems to be fine. Like, he doesn't seem to be in- injured. So that's definitely a fight you could book before the year's out, and hopefully they do. Um, we'll jump before that. We had a women's flyweight bout between Vivian Araju. Araju, I think. Araju, that'll do. And Montana De La Rosa. And this was a pretty, like one-sided fight in my opinion i know the commentary they were trying to spin it they were really really getting behind de La rosa there and saying it's a real competitive fight but in my eyes it just looked like um Araju was just you know piecing her up you know she did all the damage you can see the damage on de La rosa's face whereas Araju was reasonably like unscathed and she just yeah pieced her up they both looked good don't get me wrong it was like both of them look really good but i just thought it was a difference in skill on the night and definitely a win for Araju. what do you think yeah, I, I can't agree with that. The, the, the commentators seem to make it a bit more closer than I thought it was. I thought that it, she was she was pretty much doing what she wanted. She was having a way with it, and um, she got the rightful de- decision. And she goes on, you know, she's she's someone to watch out for. I think she's in her, in her thirties now, so it's, it's time for her to make you know a run at the title. And she's got mm-hmm. um, a, a couple of big wins in that division already. I think so. It's it's interesting to see what she does next. But I think they'll both be good. Like I think. Um, Della Rosa is still quite young as well. So it's just, 
it was just a, a really good competitive fight, but obviously there was so much going on in this card. It might it might have got lost, but you know it's, it weren't boring for at all. It was a yeah. good competitive fight, and and um, Della Rossi was all bloodied up, and you know it's fun to watch. And Araji goes on, and Della Rossi goes back to the drawing board, but she's young, so she'll come back. Yeah, and like she really showed heart because she kept coming forward even though she was getting smashed. Like she's taking a lot of damage, but I should say she wouldn't get smashed. She's taking a lot of damage, but she kept coming forward and she kept in, stayed in the fight until the very end. Obviously, didn't go away, but that'll happen. Opening the the entire night, I was gonna say the card, but it was just one card, it wasn't the prelims. Um, opening the night was a matchup between Cole Smith and Hunter Azua, and I for the life of me can't really remember what happened in this fight. So I'm gonna throw it to you. What do you think of this one? Uh, Hunter's all look good. I think um, in the end, I think he won the first two rounds. He was he was dominating the fight, but then Cole Smith come back and he was looking, um, he was looking good. He, he was looking like um, he was coming on strong. And Hunter's all, I thought he was known for his cardio, but not in this one. Cole Smith come come on strong, mm-hmm. um, but it was a clear, you know, it was one of them clear 29-28s where it was really competitive. But if Hunter Azor didn't get that decision, it would have been a robbery. Um, but if that's over five rounds, Cole Smith might have won. So, um, really good fight. It was a good comeback fight for Azor after getting, you know, absolutely wiped out by Keller the last time he needed that win. Yeah. Cole Smith's a, a good fighter. Um, it was similar to the the fight we saw after with the girls. It was no one disgraced himself. It was really close, competitive, but it was really clear who won at the end, in my opinion. I think Hunter Azor deserved that win. And Cole Smith's got to go away and, and you know work on his game and Hunter's all goes back on a bit a bit more of a push and then back up the table because um he he was looking good against Calder before he got clipped as well so uh, I've not seen anything from Hunter's all that says he can't be you know a potential contender and um yeah look forward to seeing him again yeah and from memory now I'm trying to think back I'm pretty sure yeah Smith finished the the fight on Hunter's back right and he was trying yeah, to secretly make a joke. He was going for. He was like, he was on his jaw. He was pushing it, and mm. he toughed it out. But in the first round, I think Azor dropped him as well. So it just, yeah. it was a lot going on. It was a good, it was a really fun fight to open up the card. Mm-hmm. Um, but Azor rifle winner. Yeah, overall pretty fun card. Like not gonna lie, what might have been a short one, which to be honest is a good one because I got more sleep. But you know, um, there was just a decent card for what it was. We'll get on to some news now. And I'm just taking a look at the website, but off the top of my head, I'll grab something, which was Kazmat Chemaev's going to fight twice in the next two months. I think 19th of September he's going to fight, and then he's going to fight in October at some point. Um, his first opponent will be Jared Mershart, which is a terrible matchup for him, in my opinion, because Mershart's one of those guys you don't want to put on their back because they're incredible on their back. Um, and then his next fight, if he wins that, is going to be someone very, very similar, Damian Meyer. Both jiu-jitsu guys... I know on paper he's a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, but you got to think, I mean, MMA guys don't really train in geese, so that's why he's probably only a blue belt. But he must be pretty confident with his jiu-jitsu if he's willing to take these two matchups of all the opponents he could fight. Uh, what are your thoughts on both of them? Yeah, I think these are more matchups to try and show off his standing skills because apparently he's he's a, a beast on the feet as well. And we just mm-hmm. haven't seen it. So maybe with the jiu-jitsu threat, he'll keep it standing and, and he'll just be piecing people up. But... Um, the the issue for me is that I don't like them planning the Maya fight while Mershat's right there. You know, yeah. he, he it's middleweight. He's a dangerous guy. He's not he's not a pushover. He's not a UFC newcomer. He's a he's a veteran, mm-hmm. and he's more than capable of pulling up upset here. So why are we talking about Damian Maya when there's this tough fight in front of him? I don't know. 
um, and I don't really like it. You know, uh, fr- not from his side, from the promotion side. It's the pro- it's the UFC side to hype up a fight, and if you're already talking about Chimiev's next fight, you obviously don't rate Mayshot that much. So there's an issue there, and um, you know it's one of them where Jimmy Evans, you know, he's he's stacking all the things and he's he's hyping himself up so much. It's going to be a massive fall when someone eventually gets him and. Yeah. Um, but while it's going on, I'm enjoying the ride. It's funny. It's it's good to have him back with his USV visa now and to see him fighting because you know it is. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying, as I said with Kelleher, how much he's fighting. I'm enjoying the same thing with Chimmy of how game he is. He's he's calling out everyone. It's fun. It's fun to watch and let's see how he does. It's it's also fun to see him go between divisions without any any issues at all. So let's see how he does on September 19th before we get to the day in Iowa. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing while they're pushing him through two divisions at the same time. Maybe it's so if he loses in one, he's just going to go full committed to whatever the other one is. I, I don't know what the plan is there, but it's really weird that they're moving him up both rankings and giving him high-ranked opponents each time, but none of them are in the same division. He's going to, uh, you know, what are they doing? He's a good fighter. I'm not trying to disrespect him and say he doesn't deserve these fights, but he hasn't really proven himself. Who's he beat? A debuting guy. Yeah. And uh, maybe the other guy had a couple of fights before he fought Chimaev. I can't remember. Maybe the two yeah. debuts. Yeah, but um, the thing is, he's 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 going definitely higher up the welterweight rankings than he is on the the middleweight rankings. Uh, Mayshots, with all due respect, he, I don't. He's not ranked. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not in them rankings. Where Demi Meyer's a top ten fighter. I'm pretty sure he's still in the top ten, and that's a that's a massive jump. So the welterweight division is. Is there? I don't see him climbing through the middleweight rankings. I just think now, while he's trying to get fights under his belt, he'll swap between them, and then eventually he'll he'll settle on one seventy, and that'll be his division. As soon as he beats Damian Meyer, I think there'll be a bit more of a seriousness with the way he approaches the fights. If he beats Damian, because there's going to be big, there's going to be it's going to be big fights after that. Yeah, Damian so Meyer's. Gonna, Sorry, go on. He's not going to be taking. He's not going to be taking last minute fights and jumping in. All the time, he's going to be having proper camps and preparing. I think um, these two fights will be the last you see of him, you know, kind of just jumping in at, at a moment's notice. If he gets that Maya fight and he wins, he'll be ranked number seven, which is crazy. He's not even ranked. He's even four ranked guy. Um, and then I imagine after that, he'll probably fight. Uh, this is like really, really. Uh, what's the word? I'm really guessing now because I obviously I don't know what it's going to look like at the time. But if he beats Maya, I can only think they're going to give him like. Uh, Leon Edwards, uh, Gilbert Burns, uh, loser if he loses to Usman. They're going to give him someone like right next to a title. They're trying to build him. If he beats Maya, he'll be two fights away from title, I'm telling you. Um, but at middleweight, let me have a look. Yeah, Mershaw's not ranked, but he was recently in the top 15. He was like 14. Like When I say recently, I mean like a year ago. Um, so he's got to be close to the ranking. So if he beats Mishar, they'll give him a rank guy there as well. Don't know what he wants to do. Don't know what he's going to do. Don't know if he's going to win. But we'll see. There's terrible stylistic matchups for him, in my opinion. But if his striking's as good as they say it is, he should be safe in those and run through them. I don't know if I brought this up last time, but I want to bring it up now if we haven't. Have we spoken about the UFC 245 card? 245. No, 254. 254. That's the one. Um, yeah, the Khabib versus Gaethje card. Khabib posted the full thing himself. Did you see it? Yeah, we've seen it. Um, I, I don't think a lot of them are official, y'all. I don't think the Poirier thing, someone is official, official, and it's getting a bit late now. So hopefully they can get that, you know, everything booked. Mm-hmm. But if it actually happens the way that it looks, it's going to be a monster. So it, it's the best card of the year by a million miles if it, if it actually comes off. Yeah, well, I think that fight is done because Dana White said at a press conference, like, 
last week. He said that uh, the reason they did it as the co-main event was so if Khabib couldn't fight, then uh, Dustin could have the shot against Gaethje. And if Gaethje couldn't fight, Tony and Khabib could finally happen, which I would love. No offense to Gaethje. I don't want to be an injured or anything. But if we get Tony Khabib, I think everyone would be happy. But anyway, um, awesome card. Former champions everywhere. Uh, Islam Makachev's fighting RDA. Weird fight for RDA. I don't know why on earth he would take that. I don't know why he's going back to lightweight, but you do you, RDA. I thought they were going to do the Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev fight, which made a lot more sense to me. But if I'm Islam, I'm probably going to take a fight against a former champion over like a number five ranked contender or whatever. Um, so yeah, what do you think of that fight separately from the rest of the card? Yeah, it's interesting that Makachev, he, he, um, he turned down that Oliveira fight by all, by all everything I've heard. He, he turned down that fight for RDA, which is, you know, fair enough where RDA looks a bit more beatable right now. He's lost a few. He, he hasn't looked great at welterweight and, and um, Makachev wants to get that big name on his record. And then we were saying, why the, why the hell is Oliveira fighting Benel Darius? You know, mm. without disrespecting Darius, he's on a great rec- win and run. Um, but he's he's nowhere near him in the rankings, and and that's why because no one wants to fight Oliver. He's a tough guy. So, um, but that's a good little addition to that card. But besides that, it's just a monster card. You've got you know Whitaker, uh, Cannonier, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Dustin. What's the other one? Zabit versus Yaya. Oh, do I miss that? Like that's just crazy. Um, if this card actually stays together, it's just it's just crazy. And um, I don't know if how I feel about them don't st- stacking these cards so much when. You know, we had the card like today, uh, like Overeem Sakai headlining, which isn't a great headline. We'll look at next week's card. And um, Watson <laughs> against uh, Hill headlining. We've had I against Calvio headlining. You know, could, could we not just take one of some of these fights and just put them in headline spots on on mm-hmm. the on other shows? I, I'm not sure, but um, no, I'm not going to moan. It's it's going to be fun if it comes off. If it happens, do you think it's a better card than UFC 200? Yeah, um, I'd have to go back. What, who was on UFC 200? Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunes, Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt, Daniel Cormier versus Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar, and Kane Velasquez versus Travis Bayon. Yeah, it's better than that. I think that um, obviously the, fo- the the main four fights are, are pretty much as good as it gets. And then the, the Makachev, uh, Dasanjos fight, it's a good fight, but it's not really, you know, it's not really. Yeah. I don't love it. And I'm not too excited to see it in the grand scheme of things. Uh, but it's still a good fight. But them, uh, them four fights are just—it's so stacked and it's—it's it's just huge. You know, I'd have to literally go back and look through all the cards and scan them to to think of one better. But obviously, it's recency, recency, recency bias. I'm thinking uh, there's never been a better card, but I'm sure when I go back and scan and have a little look over it, there will be. Yeah, and I like you were saying about the main events like recent, like this one and next week's. You think about this card like two fifty four. Every fight on there, including RDA versus Makachev, could be a main event. It could be a main event. Um, but they've just decided... Well, I don't know if they've decided. Allegedly, they've just decided to throw them all on the same card, which is fantastic for one night, but maybe it's better for longevity if they spread it. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's true. Hopefully that's the one, because yeah, I'd love to see that card as is. Anything else you got news before we wrap this up? Um, no, nothing. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And we'll speak to you uh, later on this week to preview the next fight night, which is Waterson versus Hill. Um, Yes, we'll speak to you then. Thanks, guys.